a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury. An anomaly, properties undiscerned. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your questions because that's what this show is. It's your money questions answered. You can submit your questions by either calling us, which actually isn't an option at all. Don't do that. Or... Email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. I guess you could submit a question on Twitter, but you only got a few letters to do it. So just do askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. We answer your financial questions without trying to sell you things because we have nothing to sell you. I mean, you could buy one of my 10 books at amazon.com or Barnes and Nobles right now. Anyway, this week on the show, we're attacking uh, two, two, uh, three, several things. Uh, Near the end of the show, we're going to deal with how to break up with a financial advisor. How to break up with a financial advisor, because you've moved on to another one. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about a guy who's got a lot of things happening in his life, and uh, he's trying to make a lot of decisions at once, and one of those involved buying an engagement ring. So that's going to become two separate segments, and let's get started. Now, this week in USA Today, and you, you, you haven't even read it yet there, that's how fresh this radio show is in relation to the column. We had a, a guy write in. His name was Dylan, I think. I don't know. Hopefully his girlfriend doesn't listen because we're talking about engagement. I may have ruined everything. Okay, dear Pete, I recently gra- – oh, uh, producer Nicole joins me on the show. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Pete. Sorry about that. It's okay. I'm excited. I'm excited. Dear Pete, I recently graduated from college and have been working for three months. My net pay is $3,000 per month, and my monthly bills are only five. So I have around $2,500 per month to plan for the future. I have a pension with the state, so 9% of my income is invested for the retirement right now with a match of 14%. Whoa. I travel each week, so I just live at my childhood home on the weekends to save money on rent. I have a girlfriend of 10 years begging me to put a ring on it. along with $8,000 in car debt, $34,000 in student loans, and the longing to buy some land and build a house once I do pop the question to my lady friend. Uh, I've embellished some of the words here. He didn't put lady friend. Uh, How much uh, should I spend on a ring, and should I throw my money at debt first before I even think about putting a ring on it? Also, my girlfriend has been a nurse for two years, and brings home around $2,800 per month. We would make enough income to afford a home together, but maybe we should rent for a year or two once we get married. That guy, I, I said the guy's name, I don't know, let's just say the guy's name's uh, Wilhelm. <laughs> <laughs> giving people fake names. <laughs> it's better than calling him pom-pom like we did to the one oh, million yeah. dollar guest. Lot here, Nicole. There's a lot here. So, uh, I will just say this. This, this sets up uh, the, into a situation that many of us have been in where it feels like everything in your life is happening all at once. 
whether you are talking about, uh, you know, getting a new job and then uh, a new car, a new house and having a baby all within like a six month period, or maybe you are getting a new marriage or the first marriage or whatever in a new city uh, and you get a new dog and you start grad school. Like there are times in our lives where everything happens at once. Nicole, have you been through one of those yet where everything happens at once? I think, didn't you get like move into a place, yeah. get a new job and not too long after that, you got a car. So it went new job, new place, new car. There was a little bit more time between the new place and the new car, but you know, it's pretty rapid fire. It was, it can be over. I've been there. I've been, New house, new car, kind of new job. I don't know. Kind, I've had right? the same job my yeah. entire life. But, so, but it, it can be overwhelming, but we end up doing that to ourselves, right? People do that to themselves all the time. So in this guy's situation, if you really break down, like what are all the situations um, and, and, and components to this decision? He's got a retirement element, a current housing element, a transportation element, student loans, major consumer purchase in the form of a ring, which we're going to talk a lot about in the next segment, a marriage, future housing, and combining finances. All of those go into his question. Now, Nicole, sometimes in a, an email like this, it's sort of hard to figure out what the question is. Right, because it's so buried underneath all the details. Because I don't think the real question is how much ring can he afford? No, right? no. If that's the question he's asking, he misunderstands his problem. So we'll actually attack that question in an isolated mode in the next segment. Instead, I wanted to attack what is a really good question about a pretty complicated financial life. Let's start with retirement because it's always fun to start at the end. Based on what he told us, this is only based on what he told us, 23% of his current income, of course, some of it being contributed by his employer, is going toward his future self, his retirement Nicole, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. In a good way. Right. Yes, that's sweet. And I don't want him to change that. I think where this is where he's going to learn that financial life gets really complicated. So right now, three months into his career, that's his reality. Right. If that remains his reality for his entire career, my man's going to be a millionaire easily, like multi-millionaire. Exactly. Like, why would you not want to keep like on the path that you're on right now when the numbers don't lie? Well, sometimes, right, but maybe he doesn't understand the significance of 23% of his income, if that is in fact the case. He wouldn't be the first person to email me his information and be wrong that, you know, that that is the information. Oh, yeah. That seems pretty aggressive for a state pension. Um, so anyway, that, that's one major element. Now, the other part is housing, because whereas right now he's still sleeping under the Harry Potter poster in his bedroom, his childhood no, bedroom. No. Mom right. Dukes is making him eggs when he wakes up. You're attacking Harry Potter. Come wakey, on. wakey, eggs and bakey. Wilhelm, come I, I get wish you I breakfast. I still woke up to eggs and bacon sometimes. Bacon. Uh, so bacon. It, he's he's got no expenses. He's got $2,500 a month of positive cash flow to put towards financial priorities as long as he lives under that Harry Potter poster in his parents' <laughs> bedroom. So I think there's two major elements that need to be discussed here. Number one, he has to make sure that that $2,500 a month is doing really good things because if he doesn't, when he goes to take on a housing expense of his own, uh, he's not going to know where to find the money. Right, because he's basking in this really, really unique kind of bittersweet moment of not probably not having a housing payment. Like right now for this won't happen again until he retires. Totally. You and know? so the, the real question, I, I, think, I think the question he needs to answer, not me, you answer it, Wilhelm, is how long 
are you going to sleep in your bunk bed? Like, how long are you going to stay with mom and dad? Right. Like, if he's really getting serious about wanting to buy a ring for her, obviously, like, there are things that follow suit with that. Is he going to live with them until they get married? Are they going to get a place together? Are like, they going to play Atari and then he's going to pop down on a knee and say, Will you marry me, please? <laughs> you Let's just, go have some mac and cheese. You, mom, you, mac and cheese. You used his voice in Pete's Sorry. Eats last week, too. I did? Yeah. I can't help it. Uh, so I let's say for 12 months, he still lives um, in the room with LeBron James posters in it. Let's say he does that for 12 more months. Yeah. That's 2,500. I'm going to do the math for you. It's 25. You. No problem. <laughs> $2,500 per month for 12 months is $30,000. Beautiful. If he does that, if he's, if he commits to the living in uh, a twin bed, for 12 more months, he can use the $30,000 to do the following. Maybe pay off his car, which is an $8,000 car loan. Buy. Buy a ring, which we'll talk more about in the next segment. Bling, bling. Put some money into savings. Woo, save that money. Oh, I, was, I thought you were going to go ka-ching, ka-ching. Oh, uh, ka-ching. Because it rhymed with ring. Uh, thank you for pausing, though. It's been kind of fun to be the peanut like, gallery. And then pays off a third of his student loan. He could pay off a third of his student loans, get a ring, pay off the car, and put money into savings over the next 12 months, which would be a monumental accomplishment. Dare I say he's making money move. He's making money moves. Absolutely. Like Cardi B. Aaliyah out here just got it. <laughs> Aaliyah understands my role in hip hop culture. By the way, if you have an Alexa at home. Oh my God, this was amazing. Yeah, if you have an Alexa, uh, what are those? Uh, uh, Amazon Echo or a Dot, ask Alexa who created the dab. And when you do this, you will get the longest explanation of a hip hop term that you ever thought was possible. And I only know this because my son Theodore discovered this because he loves to dab because he's a six year old and asked Alexa, and it is the most ridiculous answer you've ever heard, moving on. So here's the answer, Wilhelm. You have to tell me how long you're going to live in the room where your mom still folds your socks. That's what we need to know, because that determines the rest of your path. If it's another two months, then uh, maybe you use the next two months to save for the ring. If it's 12 months, pay off your car, which then lessens your sort of your monthly expenses, all that stuff. Um, but man, if he, anybody, by the way, when he does get married, he should take his time buying a home, especially if he wants to buy land. If you're from Southern Indiana, you would never say, I want to buy land. You would say, I'm going to get some ground. Ooh. Think about getting some ground. That's what people say in Southern Indiana. Uh, so that's the factor. He should probably rent for two years so he and his uh, soon-to-be new wife uh, can uh, save a down payment, also increase their emergency fund, and just get comfortable sharing finances with another adult who was raised by a person who didn't raise you, which is a complicated thing to do. So Wilhelm, pump the bees, yo. Pump the brakes. Take it easy. Don't try to do this all at once. If you give it 12 months of you sleeping in the room filled with Lego structures that you built when you were a wee tyke, then that's good. A full year will get you $30,000 of capital with which to work. Coming up after the break, how much ring can he buy? That's all next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. 
Stop what you're doing. Log on. And hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner. Question the right of any man to voice his opinion as strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in, camouflaged by the scenery, but I'm a champion. Revamp the camp again, put down the stamp again. Back on the Pete the Planner show, answering your money questions, or as we like to say around here, your money questions answered. This question is from a guy named Wilhelm and he was buried within a bunch of other questions he had, but basically was how much should I spend on my girlfriend's engagement ring? Uh, producer Nicole joins me, of course, uh, producer Nicole. Hello. Hi Pete. I have thoughts. I love when you have thoughts. I hate this question. I know a lot because here's, here's what you were led to believe. Yeah. That there is an appropriate amount of money to spend on an expression of love that is dependent on the amount of money you have available. Yes. Which is absurd. And here's why it's absurd. Um, if I have $100 to spend on, on a ring for a lady friend or a man friend, if I, if I have $100 to spend on someone who I'm asking to marry me, and it is my expression of my love, what does that have to do with it being a percentage of my overall wealth? Let's say I have uh, uh, $5,000 to spend on a, a ring for a person I want to spend my life with. And let's say it's $5,000 that I borrowed with a cash advance on a credit card. Does that mean I love them more because I spent $5,000 despite the fact that it's $5,000 I didn't have? That is absurd. Nicole, tell me why I'm wrong. You're not wrong. I know it. It's, oh, it's such a weird, so a lot of people who I've been friends with for a long time now have now found themselves in this topic of buying a ring sure. and how much you spend on a ring and right. what does that look like and when do you get married and all of this. And it's such a headache. And especially with the, with the, with the new generation coming out with so much student loan debt, mm -hmm. which then not only delays their life, but getting a car, getting a place to live, getting engaged because you can't afford a ring. Um, I'll just say this. I, I worked a lot in high school and college, and I paid for a ring my junior year in college. My junior year in college, I think I got uh, engaged, I want to say like on April 2nd, I think is when I got engaged, or yeah. Yeah, May 2nd. No one knows. It was the spring of my junior year in college. I paid thousands of dollars for an engagement ring for Mrs. Planner. She said no. I talked her into it. Kind of true. Um, <laughs> At least you're honest. Right. But but the end of the, the ring, that was it. That was the end. Like there was no, it didn't drag on and affect my life. It wasn't a significant portion of my life savings. But when you don't have the money saved or you have to go into debt and God forbid you take out a store credit card to pay for an engagement ring, what are you really saying to the person that just agreed to marry you? Are you saying, I'm going to put something as superficial as a, a, a piece of carbon 
which has been put under a great deal of pressure, and I'm going to go into debt to get that and, and then compromise our financial stability to start our, our formalized relationship. That's what it's saying. I'm taking the romance out of it, Nicole. You How, are. I know, and I'm sorry, but I've seen so many people not even have their ring uh, paid off, and they were already divorced. I've seen people still paying off a ring, and they are divorced. And uh, that upsets me. How uncomfy. Oh, I can't even imagine. No. Oh. Okay, and then of course, you know, you got the, the jewelry uh, industry and the diamond industry are like, well, two to three months salary. Awaha. You're going to take someone at the beginning of their career, presumably, with this conversation, and you're going to say, I want you to remove two months worth of income to pay for this. That is the dumbest rule of thumb ever. Ever. I can't think of a dumber rule of thumb than two months of income to purchase an expression of love. So, Nicole, let's say I have a twin, and his name is Keith the Planner. All right? <laughs> I like Keith. Keith, the only, we're uh, paternal twins, or fraternal. What is it? Fraternal, not paternal. No one, no one actually going. knows. But, <laughs> but he, we're not identical, meaning he has better hair. He's built. He's got a, he's a wider shoulder base. He's a linebacker. Library. And his skin smells better. What an interesting observation. These are the three. Some people's skin takes soap better. You know, like some, like if I use Irish Spring, I'm rubbing it on myself. It'll smell good. But there's some people whose oil composition in their skin, they rub that same Irish Spring on themselves and they smell delicious for hours. Like I have a good friend, like he'll shower and come over to my house. He's clothed and he smells so good. And I don't want to mention it to him because it's creepy. But I'll tell you, like, my skin can't perform like that. Oh, I'm sorry. I've had a lot of coffee today. How many shots of espresso did you have? I've had several beverages. That does not make me feel better. Here's my point. Let's say my twin Keith and I both are, are we're, we're, we're dating twins, sisters, right? Carolyn and Marilyn. It's beautiful. And I make $3,000 a month take home pay. And Keith's the more successful one because of his hairline. He makes $6,000 a month. That, what is that that is saying is that he should spend $12,000 a month and I should spend $6,000 a month. That's the that's the, the the jewelry industry wives tale and that's some some somehow supposed to make some sense. Somehow, right? That makes no sense. No. It makes no sense at all. So here's my answer non-answer. <laughs> There, I hate the question of how much should you spend on an engagement ring, but I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you the answer. This is an answer. No, it's not. It's sort of a non-answer. Here's the answer, Nicole: as little as possible, as little as humanly possible. No. Can I tell you really quick? One of my favorite things about my mom's engagement ring is her favorite thing about her engagement ring is it's the best representation of where they were at when they got married. See, that's that's my mom's that's favorite. Beautiful. Thing about that's beautiful. Right? That's a really beautiful thing to say. Isn't that so sweet? Let me see the ring on my finger right now. I mean, if you're not watching on PeteThePlanner.tv, you're not seeing this, but you should go to PeteThePlanner.tv and look at this. This is a ring. This is my wedding ring. I've had this since my 10th anniversary. Why? Well, I lost my other ring. But no, because on our 10th anniversary, Mrs. Planner and I were like, let's celebrate our 10th anniversary by doing something nice. So she bought, I don't know what she bought, but I like this ring. I found this ring. We were out shopping 
and it was, I got a new wedding ring. Yeah, that's, that's how much I love my wife. I wanted a different one. Not a different wife, different ring. This was $12. I've had this ring for eight years. It's made of stainless steel and copper, and it is $12. It is the symbol of how much I value my relationship, which is more than $12. I was going to say, that ring looks a lot more than that. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, that ring is very ringy. And I'm like, it's $12 worth of ring. You're right, it's ringy. Coming up after the break, here's what we're going to do. I want to tell you how to break up with a financial advisor if you need to break up with one. There's a right way. There's a wrong way. I'm going to tell you that next. On the Pete the Planner Show, I'm Pete the Planner. Hand on the beat. Yes, sir. Glass house. Yes, sir. Mr. Kinetic, Rusty Redenbacher. ATFU. Naptown. Yeah. Cashing in like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of lost player. Not from the Himalayas, but my fam gave me every Indiana game. Grew up around the country. Back on the Pete the Planner show and Pete the Planner, your money questions <laughs> answered. This segment on the show, we're going to talk about uh, a really, a really important practical thing. How does a person, or how should a person, break up with their financial advisor? See, I was, past tense, I was a financial advisor. No, I was not barred from the industry for all sorts of violations. I just sold my business and I do other things within the financial world. But I had people break up with me all the time. I had, I had uh, clients decide they no longer wanted me to be their advisor. I've had a financial advisor personally who I decided I no longer wanted to be my financial advisor. So therefore I have been dumped and I have dumped both financial advisors and ladies. <laughs> Sorry, Nicole, that got weird. No, I'm just shaking my head out here. Okay. Uh, there's a right and a wrong way to break up with anyone of any relationship, but today we're focusing on financial advisors. So um, we're gonna do this from two different perspectives. We're gonna do with like mechanically, how do you do it? Because there, there are three methods of which you can actually physically do this. And then we're gonna talk about why you should do it and why that like <laughs> philosophically, is that okay? Is that fair, Nicole? Yes, it's just you working through that was great. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so there's three ways. Okay, so Nicole, let me set up this scenario for you. Please. Let's say your name is Joan. I could be a Joan. You're Joan, and you and your husband, Kent, Ooh, are... Ooh, that's way too real. Yeah. That's way too real. You and Kent <laughs> are um, have a financial advisor named... Donald. No. No, like you didn't one. like Donald? Nope, I'm just going to say no to that. Oh, I'm going to go oh, with... Oh, I didn't even... Philip. I was going to say Reggie, Phillip. but okay. Reggie. That guy, <laughs> Ted's guy's Reggie. Uh, so let's go with <laughs> Philip. Just stop in general. Philip, your, your advisor's name is Philip. You and Kent. Okay, Joan. 
And you decide you meet with another financial advisor named Laurie. And Laurie is a really good financial advisor. And you're like, man, I think we'd rather work with Laurie. And so uh, here's how you would break up with Kent. Oh, wait, that's your husband. Don't break up with him. With Philip, appropriately. You have three choices. You can have Laurie send the paperwork over. Uh, and part of that paperwork is something called an ACAT, which is an uh, account transfer form. So there's full ACATs or partial ACATs where some of the accounts are going to come over, you know, because they're managing your money. So you could do this from a very technical standpoint of saying, all right, Lori, send notification to Philip's firm that you are my new financial advisor. So, so sh she could do it on your behalf and you would never have to speak with them ever again. You would never technically have to speak with your old advisor, Philip. That is one thing you could do. And it happens all the time. It's kind of shady. I don't know if it's shady. Shiesty? Shiesty, I don't know. It's something, though. I, I don't even know if it's unethical. I just, it's the low road, right? If there's a yeah. high road, it is the low road. It's the low road. The second thing you could do is you could actually contact your advisor, thank them for their service, and ask for transfer out paperwork. Now, when people broke up with me, when I was a financial advisor, I preferred this. And I had a uh, personal philosophy or professional philosophy, I guess, is that I was not gonna try to talk them out of it. I was going to try to get to a point where they could explain to me, they didn't have to defend their decision. That's not what I was asking. I was asking for critical feedback as to what could I have done better, right? Not just me. And hopefully your advisor would do that. Now, here's some reasonable reasons to leave a financial advisor. Here's the, here are real reasons why you would. And uh, if you feel like it, if you're breaking up with, a, with your advisor or the phone, I think it'd be great if you told them one of these reasons, if these are in fact the reasons. Here's the, here's the reasonable ones. Number one, consistently underperforming the market in spite of taking similar risks to the market. So Nicole, if, if I, your financial advisor, Philip, is, is not doing as well as the stock market in general, yet you are taking more risks, that's not good. Right. And you might, and that's on a consistent basis, not on a month to month or even uh, on an annual basis, but like more of a stretched out period. Stretchy. Bail. Number two, high or unexplainable fees. Either high or unexplainable fees. That's a reason to break up with a professional. Yeah. Number three. Poor service. Look, in the spirit of transparency, I had people break up with me, never really because of higher unexplainable fees, but um, underperforming the market? No, not really, because I didn't, as an advisor, I didn't really, I always just tried to be the market, right? That's a financial advisors either try to beat the market or be the market. I always tried to be the market. I never got broken up because of higher unexplainable fees because I really didn't have that many fees. Poor service? Yeah, I probably had people break up with me for poor service. Occasionally you drop the ball. It's not something you're proud of, but if your advisor's consistently dropping the ball and you're not getting served however you want, you're paying them a fee, break up with them. Nothing wrong with that. Bad personality match. Absolutely people broke up with me for that. I'm okay with that. And a disagreement of, over, uh, of overall investment philosophy. I had people break up with me over that because my philosophy, as I just gave you when I was an advisor, was to be the market, not to beat the market. I had no interest personally as an investor right now or as an advisor to try to beat the stock market. I'm very happy getting what the returns of the Dow Jones or the S&P 500 are. And even as you listen to this right now as a consumer of this program, you may think, boy, I'm glad he was never my advisor. I disagree with that. Great. Find an advisor who thinks the way you think.
So those are all reasons why you would want to break up with someone. Now, the third way to do it, okay, the first way, Nicole, was to have the new advisor do it. Yes. Second way was to call them up and do it yourself. Third way is to actually call the 1-800 number associated with the firm. So a lot of, let's say your person works for a large investment company. On your statement, there is a 1-800 number that's the service center. You can call them up and have them initiate the, the transfer work. Now, I think um, you would primarily want to do this if you're trying to create a paper trail. So listen to me closely here. Okay. Sometimes you're ending a relationship with a financial advisor because there may be a legal issue. Oh. And if you're doing that, you can best document that by calling the 1-800 number on your on your statement because those those people, although they are associated with the local office servicing you, yeah. Um, they're disconnected from a personality standpoint. They don't personally know them. Right. So they don't have a, they don't have any skin in the game in terms yeah. of that firm. Now, on top of that, this is important to note. If it's serious enough that you feel like you need to have a paper trail and there really is a legal issue, you can file a complaint with your local uh, sort of market authority, which was generally going to be the secretary of state's office in your state. They have an investment division who, who is essentially the SEC of your state. That's who you would file a complaint with. Or you can go to FINRA. Um, FINRA is a, is a huge regulatory body, and you can file a complaint. Or you can actually file a complaint at that 1-800 number when you call them. But when I say complaint, I don't mean getting on Yelp going, the French fries were cold, two stars. Like, it's not that sort of complaint. If you file a <laughs> formal complaint against a financial advisor, that stays on their permanent record. That should not be taken lightly. If they gave you bad service, don't complain. Just leave them. If you disagree with their philosophy, even though their philosophy is fine, you just disagree with it, don't complain. Just leave them. If they have high fees, don't complain formally. Just leave them. Uh, if they consistently underperform the market, do not lodge a formal complaint. Just leave them. If they've committed fraud, if you feel like they've taken your money, if you feel like they've committed a crime, report them. But if you report them just because you have to justify breaking up with them and the only way you can do it is with this extreme way of formally reporting them, don't do that because you can ruin their career. You're not trying to torch their career. You're just leaving your relationship with them. Is that fair, Nicole? Yes, I like that you said torch. I felt right. It did feel right. Here's another strange reality. Sometimes when your things aren't going well with you and your financial advisor, it's not actually your financial advisor's fault. They, uh, based on how their company works, may only be able to provide certain types of investments or certain types of services. And they are uh, restricted from offering services that you possibly want. And so if your new advisor can offer these services, but your old advisor can't, don't blame your old advisor. Their hands are tied. That's their employer. Their employer doesn't allow them to do it. And by the way, if they did the things you wanted them to do, the other place can do, they would be in trouble. So you, you don't vilify a financial advisor that can't serve your needs just because they don't have the services you want because a vast majority of the time, it's not their fault. That also has to do with pricing issues. If, you, if your advisor works for a large firm, that pricing is set by that large firm. If someone else comes along and tickles your fancy and you want to go to their firm because they've got lower fees, whereas you're leaving the advisor because the fees are high, it's not necessarily that advisor's fault. 
It's just the structure they have to, to work in. Like if you don't want to order a pepperoni pizza from Papa John's because you don't like their pepperoni, you prefer Domino's pepperoni, that's fine. Just order Domino's pepperoni pizza, but don't hold anger against Papa John's. The local franchisee can't do anything about it. It's not their fault. It's just the pepperoni they're required to buy. So that's how you break up with a financial advisor. Coming up after the break. <laughs> We're going to talk about the biggest waste of money of week. The biggest waste of money. All that is next, right here on the Pete the Planner radio show. I'm Pete the Planner. Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I got to do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. This lays great errors to rest. This week's biggest waste of money of the week here on the Pete the Planner Show is... Well, it's two different things. It's two different things. The first, we'll talk about in a second the second we'll talk about right now and that is chipotle just recently announced they've got new menu items nicole did you hear about the new menu items coming to chipotle wait no i feel betrayed you are a i was gonna say a huge chipotle fan i uh, am a big chipotle fan that's yeah. why i feel betrayed so there are a number of new menu items what? coming yeah what? Because they had to switch it up. They sickened 60 customers in 14 states with your E. coli issue. Wash the lettuce, yo. Uh, here's some of the new items they have coming to their stores. Quesadillas. Ooh. Tostadas. Eh. And milkshakes. What? Here's my issue. Why? As you yeah. can tell by looking at me, I like a milkshake. I... In but, fact, if I go with my family to an ice cream place, like a parlor, I believe as they call them, my daughter will get like Superman ice cream. Ted will get cookies and cream. Mrs. Planner will get some something like something. She'll just eat a bite of everyone's. And then I'll get a chocolate malt or a chocolate shake because that's what my dad did. And then that's what my grandpa did. And I have to keep it. So Ted eventually will have to get off the cookies and cream and get himself, you know, whatevs. I gotta Chocolate say, shake. Go I ahead. like a peanut butter milkshake. Oh. Yes. You know, the best ice cream flavor is actually at Baskin Robbins. It's their chocolate ice cream with peanut butter chunks. Ooh. <sighs> That sounds delicious. Oh That's like Handel's, the one local. Oh, yeah. Have you ever had their peanut butter swirl ice cream? Yes. Yes, the peanut butter ice cream with actual peanut butter swirled in. See, I like, I need some chocolate to cut up the peanut butter. You and my dad, we get along. Well, I'm sure we would. So here's my issue. Here's my biggest waste of money of the week in relation to this. Chipotle takes long enough. 
I mean, you already make this deal with your stomach devil that you're not going to get your food in a reasonable amount of time because they're assembling it in front of you. And while it, it truly is a reasonable period of time, it's not something we're used to as fast food consumers. I want to eat a giant burger and fries within 40 seconds of ordering it, and this is where I'm at. If I go to Chipotle, I have to stand behind that one guy named Kenny who's ordering for his entire office off of a sheet of paper and wants to pay for them separately. And it is an, uh, is an undertaking of which that I'm not even comfortable with. I've been re in relationships shorter than sometimes I've stood in line at Chipotle or Qdoba for that matter. But can you imagine, Nicole, if we've got people, uh, ice cream artists now, assembling Ice cream beverages? No, this just sounds like a recipe for disaster because how Truly many times... Truly a recipe. Right, yes, thank you. But how many times more than not do you go to... Like if you want a, uh, ice cream from McDonald's and they tell you, oh, sorry, the ice cream machine is down. You know who... Same thing with Chipotle. Well, right. Well, not only that, but imagine... Okay, so late night cravings. You live in Indiana. You are... It's, it's Indiana... It's past 10 o'clock, which means everything is closed. You're going to go to one fast food restaurant. Nicole, where is it you're going? Don't get this wrong. It's Indiana. That's important. It's McDonald's. No. What's wrong with you? Steak and shake is the answer. Okay, well, we were just talking about McDonald's. Don't come at me like I, that. I switched it up. If you order a milkshake at Steak and Shake, not only you do you... You better be willing oh, to oh just God. spend the rest of your... The whole night. Yes. you got to give part of your soul. No. Perhaps name your firstborn after the milkshake you're going to enjoy because it'll take that long. It will. And in fact, you should just go to order a, a breakfast melt on the menu. Just get ahead of it. Because it's going to take so long. <laughs> and if, if the person in front of you orders a milkshake, you, you might as well just meet someone there for come lunch. Back. Yeah, leave and come back. <laughs> can you imagine how slow the line's going to be at Chipotle when they start slanging cream? I don't want them to ever. No. So that's why whatever that... And you know it's going to be a bougie milkshake that's like seven bones. Oh, absolutely. $7 milkshake. Guac is already two fifty. Guac is extra. Guac is... I'm okay with guac being extra. I do like their chips the I'm best. a little extra. You know, okay, so the regular... What's your regular order? You get a burrito bowl? You yeah. seem like a burrito bowl sort I'm of gal. I'm a bowl. If, I, if I'm really trying to pull back, I do the salad because it's, you know... <gasps> Mrs. Planner gets a bowl, a veggie bowl, no meat, no veggies. It's just the, the beans and the rice and guac, which is free with the bowl. Yeah. I am a chicken burrito, no rice. <gasps> Here's why. Why? Yeah. It saves. Who hurt you? Yeah. My friend Andy. Uh, I, I, <laughs> no. it, it, it saves the calories. And sometimes that rice fills you up like a bird after the, uh, the newly married couple walks out of the church and you eat the rice they throw at them and you blow it up and your little bird How stomach explodes. And those burrito, the rice, they give you a lot of rice. Just and so, tell them to go easy on the rice. You know what? Don't knock it until you like try that. it. If you order a burrito there, Ugh. tell the boy this. You and the special friend both do. He'll go no rice sometimes, and then he does double meat. Right. I'll do the double meat, no rice. I yeah. want a quad steak, chimichanga. <laughs> like, I, I just don't want the rice, okay? So anyway, that's what I order. But if I get that... Some chips and guac that Mrs. Planner and I uh, share. Yeah, we and share the chips and guac. If too. I do a, a chocolate shake, it's like $190. Probably with tax. The second biggest waste of money of the week, which is actually the first, but now we're talking about, is the Creator Burger Robot. The future of delicious, affordable cheeseburger is totally automated. 
That's at least the path for the Creator Burger robot, a 14-foot all-in-one burger machine. Uh, Nicole, you should be looking this up so you can put it on the screen here in a second. Okay. The Creator Burger Robot. It's on uncrate.com. Uh, it can create a $6 burger in five minutes. Customers place an order with a human concierge, and the robot goes to work using fresh buns, vegetables, cheese, 15 different sauces, and freshly ground, hormone-free, pasture-raised brisket and chuck steak that's aligned perfectly to your bite for an extra level of tenderness. Creator's first robot burger restaurant is set to open this month after eight years of de development. Were you able to pull it up? Oh, yeah. All right, pull that. Put on the screen okay. for PeteThePlanner.tv, folks. Well, let me, let's do a full screen. Full screen, PeteThePlanner.tv. You should be watching it right now. The Creator Burger Robot. There it is. I'm going to be honest. It looks really cool. It does look really cool. That's what I was thinking. But I just want a burger made by a human. I don't want a robot yeah, burger. I don't, I don't need something this fancy. This is really cool to look at. But. What if, and I mean if, the, the, the robot loses a bolt into my beef and I've got a, a bolty beef and I bite down the bolt and it breaks my teeth. What if, never mind. What if the buns <laughs> are mishandled by a robot? The the important part of a good burger is that the bun is dealt with appropriately. A robot doesn't know how to be tender with buns. Oh no! I you that bun is either gonna be either uh, not toasted at all or burnt to a crisp. Six. I don't want a six dollar burger made by a robot. No. Sorry. I don't I want a self-driving Tesla either. I don't. What's the point? Self-driving cars are the problem that no one asked to solve. Yeah. Don't don't fix it if it's not broken. That's all we have time for this week on the Pete the Planner Show. We answer your money questions eventually. Every once in a while, we talk about other things. And that's when you turn the station. But if you just came back, welcome back, and it's time for us to go. So email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. And until then, we'll see you next week. I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show. If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money like then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor. Release from Everest, the freshest fresh, and you can call me ET. Word to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations. I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, trying can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound to travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home. Filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, adjourn. This I adjourn, this I adjourn, I adjourn. 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 I adjourn
mutations. I bring you love, Tron greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, Tron can restore your health. I bring you greetings, uh, salutations. How you doing? And is that how y'all say it?